1: Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombuscom slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details.
2: Hi, I'm Ade. And this is Black Ticulate. Black Ticulate Black. A podcast series that gives voice to positive black action. No matter how big or small what up what up what up i don't know why we start black ticulate like that and it's just it's my thing it's like i'm a dj what up what up what up um all right guys once again welcome to another episode of black ticulate as you know i interview millennials uk african and afro Caribbean diasporas doing just amazing things affecting positive change individually and socially and today no different i've got an amazing (laughs) guy who jeez i don't even know how many titles he has and this is one thing that we're going to try and uh, dissect but in front of me i've got chris ghanian born or just
3: Ghanaian. i was i was
2: born here but then
3: i left very quickly and went to go live in senegal and um ethiopia kenya um egypt yemen I've been around. <laughs> <laughs> Africa is definitely within me first. <laughs> if you want a, a place for home, I guess Senegal is it. Senegal. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant.
2: So yeah, I mean that's Chris, guys. You hearing him first and foremost. And if you just wanted to tell us your, your titles, I guess. I mean, how do you how would you define yourself?
3: Um, it it keeps evolving. If I'm absolutely honest, well, this is probably the main reason why I don't have a business card. Like I said, because I design to some degree I'm an artist. Um to another aspect of me I'm a filmmaker, but then I also started making that shift between filmmaker to director and then to a writer. It it, it, it it's in there. It's in there. It's in there. I I mean, if I was being honest, the first things I started doing I was doing um I started designing clothes. Really? You know, and that was after I shifted from politics. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm, I'm
2: floating.
1: <laughs>
3: okay. You know, there's so, no closed door
2: just yet. I mean, you're young and I feel like we had this conversation a little bit earlier where we have, what, in our lifetimes now, what, 13 jobs? And obviously yeah. our parents and their parents only had one. So, mm. and... Yeah, I mean, why are you smiling like that? What,
3: what... <laughs> I'm smiling at the possibility of thirteen careers in a single lifetime. In if you look at if you look at the retirement age, and you look at when people really start working, you know, I mean, to some degree, people are encouraged to start working from let's say sixteen onwards or yeah. eighteen onwards. So in between that, that you're talking basically what forty years roughly, and um, from like twenty to sixty-ish yeah. or sixty-five, depending, give or take, um, it's not that long. To have thirteen careers. I mean, depending on how much time you invest, but to say thirteen within fifty ish years yeah. it's you know.
2: It's, it's a lot. crazy. But um what was it? I, I heard somewhere someone said that they retired from doing a bar job. yeah i'm I'm just like so you know that would technically be one of their careers yeah Uh, i mean uh, well then you can add another title (laughs) (laughs) so you how do you make your money now i mean what's your bread and butter if you don't mind me asking um
3: so the main way i've been making money is or are um help um, assist me with kind of brand consultations with um, startups or small companies helping them identify or to position themselves against their competitors and to help them pick up the key points that allow them to make themselves truly unique um, as well as ma- being a filmmaker so that's writing treatments working with companies in order to create commercials or interesting content online um, and also for and then I've also worked as a freelance designer and, um editor for um different creative um, agencies and, you know working on um I did a f- I worked with a company the light surgeons um as um what well, actually I think I was part of the, um, the production team for the cinematic orchestra concert visuals for the Sydney Opera House there nice. was myself and another guy um and then the director overseeing everything but um that was interesting so I guess I don't know what you would call that title was designer slash editor slash filming yeah you, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah I know I'm trying to wrap my head around that as well you are a storyteller yes I think the best way I mean branded I, content yes yeah. as well as obviously the your independent stuff where mm. it doesn't necessarily have commercial or do you always look for the commercial I angle?
3: mean I, w- I would say that I, I'm definitely split into I, I've intentionally split myself from commercial and then conceptual work um the commercial st- uh, work is primarily working with like branded content, um, commissions from you know larger corporate corporations or organizations, um, and then you know stuff in the corporate and then conceptual work deals with
2: galleries, museums, um, different art organizations specifically. Okay, well, Chris, and give us your journey then. So, how'd you get into that? So, anyone who's listening, you know, potentially see that as the same route they can take.
3: Right. Um... I guess the, the point when I started to think I was sort of creative, um, I when I was in school I started off. Um, I was doing sociology, product design, French, and I think can't remember what else. I during A levels. What and school did you go to? Um, I went to Catrum High School. Um, that was a sixth form, right? But I, I will let if you know. You guys know... can see the way Chris <laughs> is, this year, this is like. A, it's uh, kind of a I really don't like to admit that I came from there, but um, okay. I, I will say. Let's just say place? I went to six primary schools all over London. So okay. you know where I settled was like you know in that area. Um, let's not worry about location. Okay. <laughs> let's leave that where <laughs> <laughs> where it is. Um. What I started to do with a friend was started to um, draw designs on like hoodies and t-shirts and jeans and high heels um, for, and I started to sell a couple of them. Um, okay. They weren't necessarily spray paints but using acrylic paints to kind of draw up designs and um, I guess I should make a reference that my mum was a fashion designer before she became a chef okay. so I nice. guess that was there um, and then I was going down the political route like my brother and my father but... One of my teachers said, oh, you know, you're actually quite creative when I was doing design technology. She said, why don't you apply for an art foundation?
2: Oh, nice.
3: And I said, uh, I was like, why not? Because I, I had a big A3 book of just random ideas that I was interested in. Um, so I applied um, at this point to University of the Arts London Um and I got rejected by Chelsea, which is my first choice. Thank God, because that would not have been the right place for me. And then hindsight, right? <laughs> and then LCC called me. Um, I think he was on a weekday morning at around um ten o'clock and said, "Your interviews in half an hour." What? Um, no, forty five minutes. You have to come now, or you won't be able to get in. I said, "But you didn't even give me notice." So I literally showered, ran to the bus stop with my clothes all undone. Pretty much got dressed at the bus stop. Yeah. Left half my books at home and my some of my models. Went to the interview
2: and then got in. Oh my god, that's crazy! Like they, <laughs> did they just do that. I swear they... to you, <laughs> that's crazy. Okay, so you're now in uni and you're studying.
3: Um, I studied for part of my so after the foundation, I did a BA at LCC, um, which was at that time was a conglomerate. Of courses called graphic media design, but I was specialising in um, interaction and moving image, or design for interaction and moving image. Nice. Um. Johnny, do, do you want to explain a little bit what that is? Or no, but
2: that? I mean, I'm kind of from that. It's almost then it actually makes sense in terms of what you do professionally. You know, because yeah. it's almost it's almost it's, linked, it's yeah yeah the bridge is there. It's yeah. quite self evident. Um, but did you take a lot from it? Was it a good found? You know, was it a good cause? Did it give you a good grounding? Because I am mean, I'm mm-hmm. gonna be brutally honest with you. I did it i did the same degree not not interactive movement but mine was advertising pathway yeah i wish guys. i started off in that course but then i left Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: i mean i love the teacher she's really nice but it, it just wasn't for me i, I had a i had a, a moral issue right. yeah. <laughs> i just yeah. couldn't sell you something that i didn't think was worth it
2: Okay, <laughs> <Lenten>. <laughs> but i'm just saying i mean do you feel almost like going to uni is essential especially in this day and age in order for you to be able to do what it is you do do um in a professional context because i'm almost done gonna ask you after this like give me those sort of those steps on how do you find tell people stories etc so i'm thinking does the course actually give you a good foundation
3: right um i think just to make that point is when when you ask me what my titles and then you know what I do do, mm. um, I did my project. A friend of mine wrote um like a mini interview kind of essay on what I was doing, and he asked me, "So what do you do?" And I said, "Really and truly, I guess I'm a cult storyteller." Okay. And I think that's probably the best way to put it. That's lovely. Um, in regards to whether university is necessary, that depends on what you think university is. Okay. Um you don't, I, when I looked at university, I wasn't going to university to to expect teachers to teach me and to instill knowledge into me specifically. It was more about finding which tone or form of communication did I need in order to articulate what I was thinking of, what I was interested in. So that was the point of university for me. And ideally to meet people. that's what I think that's what university is for. Yes, I mean, everyone knows first year you, you need a very minimal amount of work to pass. Yeah. yeah. So take advantage <laughs> of that of that year. Obviously you do more than pass, but you know, that is a time to really engage, you know, with the people. I mean, I remember the first week I literally gathered a hundred numbers within one week. Wow. Just to make in mean, as many different courses and as many different years as possible. Because i don't see the point in having one set or group of people in in a place that has thousands of people in there not saying that we have to be best friends but why shouldn't i know who you are how what, at one point not necessarily for my benefit but one person i may know may be beneficial for somebody yeah. else and, and i can be that bridge connecting Hundred yeah. that's that makes, so that's what i thought university is important for
2: that makes a lot of sense and okay brilliant so let's get into almost like mm. the nitty gritties, sure. the toolkits, the how to's, mm. right? How do you, so if I, walk me through, if I was a client of mm-hmm. yours, say for instance, cause you do brand consultancy, yeah. what are the questions? What, how's this process? How do we start? So, um, I'm black ticulate, <laughs> right. So there. you want free advice. <laughs> <laughs> First start is
3: monetize your work. now, I'm playing. Um, <laughs> um, well, I mean, the, the first thing is uh, whenever I start speaking to a company or an individual, in, in any case, whether it's for branding or for, you know, to direct something, a film or whatever. I First things are, so who are you and what you're about? How does your company relate to who you are? Because there should be a connection. The moral, Your moral center should, should um, reflect within your company, first and foremost. Otherwise, you can easily sell out. And you can easily lose track of where you're developing or what you're growing into. Right. Um. So before I ask about the company, I try and get to know the person as much as possible. Within you know, most of my meetings probably last two hours. Wow. Right. Initial right. meeting. Initial meeting, at least probably at least two hours, um, which is why it's always good to have have a coffee shop. But um, yeah. so the first forty five minutes, you know, who are you? What do you do? Do you have kids? How you, you know? What's your interaction with the kids? Um you know, what kind of things are you interested in? How does your company, where did the birth of your company come from In a necessity or an idea in your life? Not just when did it come up? What caused it to come up? The catalyst, yeah. And then from that, you know, what is the, what are the fundamental pillars that hold this company? And what is it that you wanted to keep going? What's the line that you're not willing to cross? What's the moral line you're not willing to cross? And from that, then you can start establishing yourself as as an institution or a company with integrity. Right. Which is kind of why sometimes I had a bit of an issue with advertising, sometimes because you know it's trying to get you to buy things that maybe you don't need, and yeah. sometimes that wasn't always apparent. So with that, you know, um, once you understand you've got a place of integrity, now how can you make how can you make your idea profitable with your integrity still intact?
2: How? Jeez, that's a big one, isn't it?
3: <laughs> it's a big one, but the thing this comes to the point is how far are you willing to go? Okay. Without
2: losing the integrity, yeah. And then you sort of then flesh out because obviously I don't want you to give everything. Because yeah, you know. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Then
3: you flesh out. You know, if you're selling something, what you're selling, how you're presenting it, what kind of color schemes are you using, the psychology of color, who's um, who's who's holding your product, where you're buying it from, where's it being manufactured? For example, are you going to use a sweatshop in order to sell it for thirty pounds when it costs you one pound? Mm-hmm. How does that impact? What does that sit right with you in the long term if you're exposed for that? You know how do you recover? How would you recover from that? Okay. Are you, can you even stomach going through that kind of battle? You know, companies right now are going through some issues. Okay. If you're onto Facebook right now, you know <laughs> you're seeing some people getting exposed to some stuff, and <laughs> you don't want to be in that position, especially if you're quite fragile.
2: Okay, so you also do, I guess, um, crisis management, if you want to call it that. I guess Cause, that's yeah. Because yeah. I mean, that prevention, is prevention, crisis prevention. <laughs> that
3: that's that's part of you know the branding conversation that we will
2: have right and what was do you remember your first client because how do you almost just get into that how do people see you or recognize you as an expert in order for you to be able to deliver
3: Mm. I mean I guess that starts back from when I took a placement um a placement year during my degree um it was just after my second year and they said you know take a year out get some experience and in that period I I pretty much overdose on experience if that, if that's one way to put it, okay, we well <laughs> we're, were required to do, I think it was a minimum of three placements for three months. And, but we had, I think the equivalent of let's say 15 to 16 months worth of time in between finishing school and second year, starting third year. Right. So I technically worked seven days a week for 16 months Jeez. and balancing two to three internships, sometimes per day or per week. And I regarded, the way I divided my time was nine to five was one job, five to 12 was another, and then 12, I need to sleep. So in my opinion, 5 p.m. is a half day. <laughs> so, you know, it comes down to what, you know, how, how much do you want it?
2: Yeah. But or how much you don't know... you
3: want something else that like you want to do something?
2: But whilst you're doing all these internships, you still, did you know what you wanted, if you know what I mean? Because it still feels mm. like. You're, you're a man of many talents. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And you've got many verticals mm-hmm. and you excel at all of them. So was it just because of that internship, you are doing so many and you like you liked it all. Mm. I mean, are you a jack of all trades and a master of none, for one of a better word?
3: I I wouldn't say that because it, it gives the illusion that you if you know do... how to do a lot, like, you can't do anything well. Yeah. And I don't think that's necessarily true. That's true. Um, I I also, I mean, so within that period, I guess, to answer your first question is, I worked with, um, I worked um, setting up or designing or completing a brand redesign for certain small companies, um, looking at graphic novels. Then I started working for, um, a professional company or an established company that was working internationally and I started doing packaging design. And then, um, you know, that's that I realized that wasn't for me. I didn't know what exactly where, what my role was within the commercial industry, but what I decided to do was take that time in order to write an entire list of all the possibilities and cross them off by the time i started third year
2: so i did every
3: single possible one that i could do and within that you know certain things overlapped opportunities arose um i remember with one company um creative leap we what we did what they wanted to do was they are going to um ask for um, an external company to do an animation for them and I had a little bit of experience with um, doing animation and after effects. So I said I said, before you go to them, let me have a go. If you like it, you know, you've saved some, you've saved some money. Oh. If you don't, then definitely go to them. I said, give me half a day. I pulled it together. They said, Okay, cool, we're going with you. And I did the whole thing and all of a sudden I was animating. Yeah. You Amazing. know, so find these opportunities and I realized at the end of that internship I didn't want to I wasn't in interested in, in company in, in that kind of work in, in package design or specific graphics for companies every single time. So I moved on from that, but I still withheld that knowledge, that information, that process that they went through. And I've been able to
2: apply that to what I've been doing with other companies. Hey guys, before we get back to the episode, I just wanted to say thank you very much for listening to us. Now you can continue to support us by visiting www.lacticulate.com or... You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Now, let's get back to the episode. I mean, I think it's quite evident just by listening to you are very meticulous might not be the right word, but you're Mm. definitely someone who you you see something and then you're going to just go for it, you know, regardless of Mm. if you have the resources. Mm. right and is that because i mean if you haven't really spoken about your upbringing as such i know you've Mm. got two brothers yeah um that's how i know i know you through the middle one yeah michael who's phenomenal (laughs) give him a shout out if you want
3: (laughs) big ears dumbo that's what we called him back in the end no very 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 he's a i mean very talented special guy actually is seeing him in a room is actually quite a bit of a spectacle Mm. i've never seen one person been able to connect with so many people all at the same time
2: yeah, yeah yeah no you're absolutely right and then your eldest <laughs> yes what so yeah talk, talk to us the so upbringing, upbringing right in terms of, i assume because that shaped you who you are mm.
3: i mean uh what i can say is that growing up you know jumping around in different african countries um it was a great way to realize that wherever i was you know I wasn't limited to thinking that wherever I was, was the world. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that don't necessarily leave their country and think, or when they go somewhere, they take their country mentality with them instead of trying to adapt to what's there. And I think the great thing is that traveling all around, I was able to adopt the cultures, the, um, the principles, the things that, that, and how they function. And that I felt was an in en- enriching experience. So I saw extremely harsh, you know, circumstances for families, for, for, you know, homeless, hunger, poverty, and then I saw the fact that at the end of the day, there were still people that cared for people. Oh. It, it was very different. The, the mentality was very different to what I was experiencing in the UK. Um, and with that kind of diversity of upbringing, what that meant, what I realized was that privilege is a, privilege is a luxury. Okay. And you know, if you're in a country that had where you have free education borderline free travel within your own education <laughs> not anymore <laughs> um and uh, potentially you know subsidized school food to say that you don't know what you want to do or you're spoilt for choice for me is almost the ultimate luxury to a degree mm. um because i know i know a lot of people that would, you know people mm. are sacrificing family members just for education and i think that's something that i can't take for granted Right. Yeah. So to me, you know, I, I don't, if I want to, I mean, my mum every day, as we went to school, she said, you are above and not beneath the alpha. And, the, and the, you know, she, she really instilled the case that if you want something bad enough and you're willing to put in the work for it, then who can say no to you? Mm-hmm. And I think in order to, the, I think the point of that becoming realistic is in order for that to happen, Sometimes having a working within an institution that stops you from growing is what stops you from becoming a um, from getting to the top.
2: Okay, speak more on that.
3: Because
2: um, I, I see I'm, where you are
3: going. Yeah, I like. <laughs> I'm an advocate for 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 being self so, being self employed um, or being an entrepreneur to a degree, um, because your your limit is defined by you, not by someone else's ego. Uh, and I'm not saying don't go work for a company who may do what you want to do. But at the end of the day, you can set your own schedule in order to achieve, your, achieve the goal with the goal of the collective of a, you know, of your company. If you feel that's a family, then great. But can you set your timeline according to, according to what you feel is appropriate for you in order to achieve what you need to achieve. And I think being able that, having that freedom and a bit to structure your time and your day in order to achieve a goal, for greater purpose, or for somebody else, is something that's inc- invaluable. Someone, I saw an example, um, there was a lady there, I think she was an illustrator, and she, her work day was, she would wake up at 11 or 12, um, go for a walk from 12 to about 2 or 3, do some food shopping, do all that kind of stuff, and then start work at 10 in the evening, work till 4am, and then do run it all over again. Interesting. So, she literally built used restructured us 24 hours in a day according to how best she works she works better at night Mm -hmm. but if you're working nine to five and you don't work really work that well in a day it doesn't work for you you may be looked at as an unmotivated worker yeah but it's just a case that maybe you function
2: differently yeah no, that's interesting so i want to almost get into the challenges Mm. because you're a big advocate obviously of you know, being totally independent as much as you can mm. be. You know, work for yourself, have your own schedules, and just everything mm. you've just spoken about. Just, but it's not easy. It's not, and you must be going through the challenges as we speak. Mm-hmm. Can you can you speak on on some of these? Like,
3: yeah. Um, okay, so I guess the 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 reality of being self employed is. You have you, there's certain things that you have to pay for consistently. so every month there's a bill or a certain amount of bills coming your way. So you have to be able to identify I think one thing a teacher said to me is that whenever if you're creating something, you have to divide divide it according to commercial and conceptual. How, what percentage of what are you doing is in order to, to, to survive um, in terms, to, to live financially and then what percentage do you need in order to live mentally? how can you how can you live with your choices and how can you live with it how can you you know if you look at london wages to degree said you can live you can survive on your on your salary but how much do you really need to live so with the conceptual work that's what keeps me alive the commercial work is what helped me survive yeah and as soon as you start getting money from both then you really start finding that you can start readjusting your percentages um so like i said some of the some of the challenges are you know dealing with the bills. so what commercial work or what commercial things or what corporate things do you need to do in order to get a regular check coming? Yeah. Um, then with that, say what do you what creative work or what what personal things do you need to do in order to keep you happy and sane? And I think finding that balance or finding that that opportunity is necessary. I mean, if you look at the actors, a lot of them, you know, there's the stigma of working as a waiter or waitress and yeah. then doing um in, um auditions later in the evening. You know that but ban- I did that. I did. That. I remember I had two jobs and went to school and do creative things at the same time. Um, and then when you, c- I mean, there was a point where I said, "Okay, no more." <laughs> yeah, I
2: was gonna say, are you are you in a good place now? I
3: mean, um, I I, I
2: you like you said, there's a constant balance. You know, re- yeah.
3: I mean, I before I started doing my masters, it, I was in a very good place. I managed to pay off my student loan <laughs> very quickly. Amazing. Um, I, I managed to save up To start doing a masters I managed to acquire All of the things that I needed In order to work So I'm not renting equipment yeah, rent no way my, uh, You know I, I was Everything was pretty much I paid for everything Full out I have that thing I just don't I like to pay for something once And it's mine <laughs> And then I can distribute And do what I need to do um, the, the, the challenges are There's a point where How much more can you take Certain things So for me retail was a point I had to draw a line And say Okay no more retail let me start using the skills that I've acquired from that, and start implementing it within my own work. There's a point in that where you're gonna where finances may drop, but then as soon as you start finding a rhythm or formula that works, you can start to build that up yeah. beyond. You know, um, I think Richard Branson said, um, as soon as you stop learning something, it's time to leave.
2: Yeah, hundred
3: percent. And I I agree with that. You know, I think we we base too much of our on our of our success on finances not necessarily on psychological well-being
2: yeah that's interesting but i want to get back to the idea of you saying retail that's enough yeah but you can apply what you learned from retail into mm-hmm. what it currently is you're doing so what, right. what is that Do so more specific um
3: when i was working retail what i i was i was working as a cashier and so what you're dealing with i was learning about their accountancy i was learning how to deal with their numbers i was learning how to you know what was the estimated kind of cell growth I was talking to when people, um, when some of the senior heads came over from Spain, I spoke to them a little bit and said, how they, how are they developing, what things were they trying in order to make the experience better for the workers as well as for the the customers. Right. These are the things that I started applying for when I started working, when I started doing the branding consultancy. How are you? What are you doing as an employer to make your employees happy and also they can work further, work more, or work harder for you, and. You know, you pick up things everywhere. You never stop learning. Yeah, I learned cool. how to do certain managing um, account books. Um, I learned how to um, maximize, you know, marketing events, you know, from the company. You know, not saying they were particularly successful, but I think from when they were failures, I managed to understand why they were failures yeah. and learning then build on top of that. Uh, perfect. So
2: I feel like, oh, God, this has been great. <laughs> this no, This has been great. And there's just so much... I feel like I'm going to have to get you back again round twos. You know, oh, my, man. When, uh, when the audience just say forget, goodness back, goodness back. <laughs> forget you, Addy. Yeah. <laughs> we'll oh, um, that would be brilliant. So I do want to, because we are going up to the mark. Um, yeah. So I want to actually almost get the idea of, you said that you can, how do you monetize? Right.
3: Um... Monetizing is, is is one is probably one of the biggest things that I'm facing now. So, with I guess maybe one of the things that got that maybe got you to ask me to come was the fact that I was now getting attention for some of the things that I've achieved, or people are now aware of the work that I'm doing, and that comes with first getting notice. I
2: ain't gonna lie to you because you're Michael.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Michael, and then but even when they started the dialogue, so you no, knew no, Michael, no, but no, then no. even to, get him to come, he was like, he "Oh wait,
2: you're phenomenal and that is choice."
3: So, I mean, it was interesting with those dialogues. So, what were... So, first thing I did was putting things out for free. What can you afford to put out for free that can get you attention? Make, if you're going to make an entrance, make it big. Okay. Right. So, the first... I think the first film that I did, um, that that broke some conventions... And that was interesting. Don't be coy. Oh, <laughs> don't, be,
2: don't be coy, Chris. Yeah, I had right to put it out. Yeah, uh, of course, course,
3: So, um, this
2: is about, yes, the <laughs> success. Let's put it out there. Right.
3: Out so, there. Um, I've, 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 I directed and wrote a short film, a short documentary that played with the concept of how documentaries are structured. And with that, I won um, the BFI Best Documentary of the Year by um, okay. the Future Film Festival. What was it called? Um, Hertz, which is H E R. TZ, according to the Scientific Sound Measurement, um, and then with that, that got some attention, that got a few knocks on doors, I got a few interviews coming, and then that led to um, an opportunity in which I was, I looked at and I was, I, I was selected to direct, write and direct a film in collaboration with a musician from the Philamo- Royal Philharmonic Society. And they quite they looked looked at what I did and said okay that's interesting we want you to do something so they gave me a budget to do something so what I've already did for free I'm now getting money to do yeah. and then what I'm at the point I'm at now is the case of now that people know what I can do then now I have something to say okay I've done this I've achieved this these people have seen my work these people out you know I have a, now I'm exhibiting in Singapore which is crazy amazing. Um, and in America, which I, I, you know, I'm still in a bit awe about that, but um, now that they know what I'm doing, it's okay. So if you want me to do something, let's figure out how we can make this happen. I had a conversation with a magazine and they called me and I said, you know, we've featured your work and, and, you know, multiple times, what we want to do is try and set up a collaboration system. How we, will you come up with something interesting? You know, does it associate with our brand or the way that we work? Okay. Yes. Okay. What we'll do, we'll give you all our equipment and a studio in order to produce it, but we just make call it a collaboration between the two of us. So I have no expenses at that point. Mm. But then I said to them, I said, yes, okay, fine. But that doesn't put money in my pocket. So how can we come up with an arrangement in which we can create something that can satisfy your requirements as well as your audience, but also monetize the video content or whatever it is in order to make an income? Yeah. So don't be afraid of saying, let's make this profitable. <laughs> Let's, you know, because nothing's for free there's too much going on you know the fashion industry is renowned for borderline slavery <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know the, the hours that I've seen some people work are absolutely insane and there's nothing wrong with having your head in your shoulders and saying, you know I have bills to pay let's make this happen because at the end of the day they're getting paid
2: yeah and I think you no know, in truth I mean you even put the fashion industry in context of this mm. but if you don't say yes, someone else would. Yes. but that's fine because like you said it's all about your moral compass and what yeah. you're willing to
3: and I think that's something there's, there's a balance so it's a case of how I guess the goal the point for me is, is how long do I need to balance before I can completely shift into one side to the full conceptual side mm. um, and where I am now I guess you know once you start having this conversation okay how can we make it possible you have to be you have to actively search out ways of making things possible so you have to have a business head with your creative mind it has to happen. Otherwise, you will be continuously taken
2: advantage of. Yeah, no, absolutely. But this has been a gem. I almost want you to... You've got open reign I'm not even going to ask a question. Like, if, for those who are listening to you, hey, I'm going to find out how we can get in touch with you if you want them to get in touch with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my address is... Now I'm <laughs> no, I'm <no>. um, <laughs> But before that, and this is going to be, I guess, a penultimate question, is what would be your not like top line, but if someone wants to almost emulate in your successes thus far, are there any sort of, okay, these are the resources I use. These are the tools. This Mm -hmm. is how I consider, because I mean, you've, you've spoken about it. We have, Mm -hmm. but I just almost want some pithy bullet points, actions, if there are any you can give.
3: Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily call myself a successor with it. F- I find that word and my name quite weird going together. But um, I guess one point is is to continue continuously keep creating. So I know this is a, that's a very generic answer, but what, what I'm saying with that is that, yes, keep logging down all the ideas for one, but what you start doing is start put, making presentations of them. So I, I even myself, I have four projects that I want to make. So what I've done, I've created synopsis of what they are, um, what they require, what they need, which kind of companies would be interested in, and then I contact them direct, directly. So this is proactively searching for opportunities. Um, another way of doing that is start utilising your network. Not what, what I do, I don't necessarily go out and say, hey, I need you to do this for me. I, I start to First, I start to pair other people together. I said, this person's doing this, this person's doing that. You guys should talk. Something good can happen from that. Mm. And then I say, if you know anyone from that, that can maybe help me with this, you know, send my way. I'm not doing it for my own gain, but I'm doing I start looking after the people that I know first. Yeah. Because when you start creating a, an environment where everyone, from example, is looking after one another, or sending things their way, you start to find that you start to get taken care of as mm-hmm. well. Um, being present online, and when I, when I say present online, I don't mean just posting on Facebook, this is what I've done. Target who you're talking to. And not just say, hey, look at this. We say, it'll be nice to have a conversation. To see, this is what I'm doing. How about can I get your opinion on a one-to-one? Because as soon as you get them to meet with you or to have a conversation, what you start opening up is a dialogue of possibilities in the future. Mm. Um, I can even back that up with an exhibition that I recently was in and met a director. And he goes, you know what? I've seen your work. It's really kind of interesting. Why don't you come on set with me? And he's now doing, he just finished um, a TV series and films. Um, Stanley, the founder of Marvel. Amazing. so networking is one of them targeting people specifically for advice not necessarily for job opportunities but just for their opinion in the sense it me- makes them valuable to you mm. in a point where you're not trying to get money for them but you're trying to you're complimenting them at the same time um i was the top of my head i can't really think of much no, else, no, but there's some good. other stuff i mean <laughs> honestly
2: guys so how can we get in touch with you you right. know gee i mean god the great advice man like <laughs> How can we get in touch with you? Twitter, Facebook. Yeah, Twitter. Well. Anything you want to
3: Twitter, with. Instagram. Um, my handle is at I am underscore CLQ, um, and um, Facebook. Um, I've got. An, I've now set up a page finally. So artists, and then at the end of it, you just put um, CLQ, and I'll be right there. And then
2: you can go on my website is CL hyphen Brilliant. Well guys, I think you can join me. Well, I don't know, I hope you can join me in saying that this has been another brilliant episode of Black Ticulate and Chris, honestly, thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. And um, we most likely you might do around too. If that's cool. But um, once again guys, thanks for listening and stay tuned for another episode of Black Ticulate. Take care. All right. I'd like to personally thank my sound editor, Chris Reese. And most of all I'd like to thank you guys for listening. For more information on how you can get involved, please visit www.blackticulate.com and also follow Black Ticulate on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter social media. Stay tuned for another episode of Black Ticulate, Black Stories, Positive Actions.